Hey, everybody. Welcome into episode number 105 of the Curtain Call podcast, a production of the Yes Network, another off-season edition of the pod. And boy, there is plenty to discuss. He's Yes Network president of production, programming, and executive producer, John J. Filippelli. I'm Justin Shackle, our great producer, Dan Bassone, with us as well. Tell you what, the hot stove got going in earnest at the winter meetings last week, John. And we were on Juan Soto watch. Now we're on Yamamoto watch. And we're ruthless savages here because I think one of the best talents in the game comes to the Yankees. A lot of fans and people around the team were were gaga for like a day with Juan Soto. And now it's like, uh, all right, what do you got for me now? Next, let's get the Yamamoto. Uh, that's what makes this fun, though, around Yankees universe and around some of the other big markets in baseball but Juan Soto first and foremost he is a New York Yankee how's that sound it sounds just great I mean the Yankee fans and we've been salivating for this and then you know uh Yankee people we've been salivating for this and uh you know and it's finally finally you know the, the, the dream has sort of happened so um the Yankees really needed this to happen for a whole variety of reasons um you know, obviously how it affects the team on the field and obviously how it affects the, the fan base. And, and, you know, it's just it's just really good news that we needed to get. And because it was a hole that we desperately needed to be filled, the Yankees desperately needed left-handed power. It, it, they really did to balance their lineup in the worst way. They desperately need what he what Soto brings. He brings brings a star with him to 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 New York, which you know is is uh, is always fun to, because he'll fit right into the city. And so there'll be no questions about can he handle the pressure? Can he handle the lights? Can he handle Broadway? Can he handle all the things that are endemic to New York? There will not be any of those questions. That's for sure. And so the Yankees just got themselves you know, about the best. The, 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 you know, one of the two best. But Otani would have been is the other one. Mm-hmm. But you know, but that didn't happen. So you know, and it wasn't scheduled to happen. So Yankees got what they needed. The Yankees got what they wanted. And uh, well, you know, we're, we're, the all of a sudden, 2024 looks a lot more interesting now. Soto has the Riz, uh, as the kids say, and he's left-handed. He's got that impactful bat, like you mentioned. Can do a lot in terms of hitting ability. Gets on base. The absolute perfect ideal player that you want between age and ability right at the top of this Yankees lineup, at least right in the first third, number two, number three spots. People are quibbling, trying to make up batting lineups for the Yankees all over Twitter or X or whatever you want to call it these days. Bottom line, it's going to be some semblance of Soto and Judge in that two or three spot. And he is the biggest. Interrupt you, but I want to make a point. You just just, just triggered something that was really great. I mean, some, this is really interesting to me. The you said he you know, he gets on. Yes, in the words of Jonah Hill, uh, in, in Moneyball, yeah. <laughs> what does he do? He gets on base. He gets on base. He walks. He's got great plate discipline. That's one of the. I mean, that's one of the great aspects of of his offense. It's not just that he hit. He hits for power. It just he just hits, but he's got a great eye. He gets on base, and you know if he's hitting before in front of Judge, that gives this Judge another you know uh, somebody to have on base before he gets steps to the plate. I mean, he just affects the lineup in so many different ways, and, and it's all it's all from a baseball standpoint, you know, wonderful and fun. Yeah, well, let's examine it from a team wide aspect in a few moments. Uh, Let's flip that. Let's examine it from a from a lineup perspective in a few moments. I'm thinking big picture here because Soto was the move they needed to make for the lineup. But now there are all these rumors about Yoshinobu, Yoshinobu Yamamoto. They've been going on for months. The Yankees reportedly meeting with Yamamoto this week here. And 
with Soto already here, with the meeting with Yamamoto, I keep wondering, is this this offseason, is it one of those winters where the Yankees are going to push their weight around and bring in multiple stars? It's you know it's tough to say. Uh, the 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 move that was made was 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 a uh, uh, was a seat change in terms of what it means to the Yankees. So it's a great move. Um, if you want to get two seat changes, which are not fine, three, four, five seat changes, that's <laughs> even better. The reality is, you know, if, if look, the Yankees have other needs besides they that they really need another starting pitcher. They really do, and Yamamoto obviously would be that and a, a whole lot more. I mean, you know, you're talking about he's such an elite player that, uh, you know, if, the, if he's if you can get him, you you know, you go out and you get him. There's but there's so much competition. You know that the problem is is not just the you know he's trying to land him. It's, there's so much competition for him. I mean, he's he was the quadruple. He won the quadruple crown each of the last three years, right? So that's wins, winning percentage, ERA, and strikeouts in Japan. You know, he went the, the last three years. He won the Japanese the equivalent of the Japanese Cy Young Award. So I mean, you, these are these are monster stats, monster years that he's had, and he's only 25 years old. But you know, for rumored, rumored is the Yankees, it's the Mets, it's the Giants, it's the Dodgers, it's the Red Sox, it's the Cubs. Those are all rumored. You've been out there rumored. I mean, and Mormon perhaps. So the competition to get him is going to be fierce, and the fact that teams that were shut out of Soto and and uh, and uh, and uh, Otani. Otani, sorry about that. Uh, teams that were shut out there, I mean, they're, they're going to double down. Some of these teams will double down to try and get Yamamoto because, you know, they have their needs too. And they they want to satiate their fan bases too. So the constant, you know, the, the competition for him, for, for Yamamoto is going to be really fierce. So, I mean, it's impossible. Of course it is. The Yankees are in there with anybody, but, you know, but, 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 you know, who knows how it plays, but, but if the Yankees could land him somehow, wow, this will be an off season like no other. You mentioned those, uh, those teams involved in a guy like Yamamoto, I think that's going to be pushing the price up close to perhaps three hundred million, and that that's the stratosphere. That's the level we're playing at now with Yamamoto, a guy who has not thrown a single pitch in the majors. And for the Yankees, I I, I think the the best move is probably go after Yamamoto. But with the amount of pitching depth that they need to be filled at this point, especially after the trades with Soto. And we'll get to Alex Verdugo as well. But between those two trades last week, they traded seven arms. None of the none are at the level of a Yamamoto. We know that. But in terms of spending wisely, like uh, I'm actually starting to wonder whether or not they're better suited to bring in multiple mid to high level priced arms that are on the free agent market versus going for that one big bluefin tuna fish like a Yamamoto. Like instead of a Yamamoto is it more wise to perhaps go after a Montgomery and then maybe a Jordan Hicks for the bullpen. I remember all last year, you weren't completely convinced with their closing situation, whomever it was trying to get those final three outs. Like can, can they be better positioned if they go and spread around that, that Yamamoto money around for maybe three or four other people on the free agent market for their pitching staff? That's a good question. Uh, And, you know, right now, the Yankees are in, you know, in California as well as we record this. And they're, uh, today's the day that rumored to be meeting with Yamamoto. Uh, I don't think they're going there saying, well, I've got Jordan Montgomery's phone number in our pockets. We've got this, got some, we've got Snell's phone number in our, in our, uh, in our pocket. We've got whoever we got in our pocket. I, I don't think that they've, I don't think they're thinking like that. I mean, you, to your point, 
they may have to do that if they don't sign, obviously, Yamamoto. They'll have to go to plan B, which would you know give them several different options. Plan B doesn't um, sound so bad right there. No, plan B is actually, is actually pretty good. But if you say to me, do, do I want Yamamoto or do I want to go to plan B? Well, there's a reason it's called plan A and plan B, mm-hmm. right? I'm going with plan A because there is nobody out there in the world right now better than this kid, better than Yamamoto. You know, again, it's a different level of competition. Let's let's be let's call what it is. It's it's a quadruple A baseball in many respects. The Japanese league, it's pretty good. I mean, it's solid baseball. Don't get me wrong. It's great players have come out of Japan and done well in the major leagues. A lot of all slew of them. So it isn't like you can't come here and that the say, well the competition. So it is different. But but for him to dominate dominate uh, be dominant the way he's been the last three years. I mean, th- these numbers are otherworldly. And people who've seen him pitch, Brian Cashman has seen that. His group have seen him pitch, went to Japan to scout him during the season, and he threw a no-hitter when the Yankees were there. So that just tells you, I mean, uh, people who have seen him, you know, the Omar Maniers of the world, I mean, they just rave about him, about how good he is and how great he can be. So, you know, I'm not saying that the Yankees, there's there's not other options or plans. There has to be. And they do have to address those needs no matter who fills them. But there's, there's filling it and there's filling it. So if I'm trying to fill it, it was it would be like Soto, right? If you, you, with no Soto, well, Bellinger is a pretty good option, right? It's a really strong option, right? If there was no Soto, the Yankees would have had to consider that. But the Yankees don't have to consider that because they got the, the better player, they got the guy they wanted. This guy is the best, is the best best pitcher in the world. Or one of them, he's right in the elite. He hasn't done it in the major leagues yet. Let's let's be let's be fair here. But but the reality is that it's, everything that's trending with him says he will be it and he'll be dominant and he's who you want. So if you're the Yankees, you know the Yankees have to be the Yankees again. They have to go out and and, and do whatever they can do to make themselves the Yankees again. And that would certainly make them the Yankees again. I hear you and I'm with you. I think the the minor argument that could be made there is, like you said, Japanese baseball in the MPB isn't the equivalent to Major League Baseball. I don't think it's realistic to expect Yamamoto in his first year, a year in which they only have Soto for one season, uh, another year of Judge and Cole's primes here. I don't think it's completely realistic to expect a guy like Yamamoto to toss 175 to 200 innings over 200 innings in his first year with a new baseball in the major leagues. Now the counter argument to all this is very simple. Uh, It could work a lot better if Carlos Rodon and Nestor Cortez perform to the abilities that we saw in 2022 or, or 2021 versus what we saw in 2023. So there are multiple components to all this that can make it really work for the Yankees on the pitching side, especially that that starting rotation. I still think even if they get a guy like Yamamoto, that they can dabble and bring in a big relief star or a, a couple of high-end relievers via free agency for sure. I don't think one excludes the other. Uh, about the offense, because we started with Soto, when it does come to improving this team, do you think they're done with improving the offense this season? Like, is there another area that needs to be made for this lineup? I think it's going to be tough for the Yankees to add another major piece offensively unless they subtract a piece. You know, I, I think they need payroll flexibility because of the, where they're going to be in the, in the uh, with luxury taxes and stuff. Um, I think it's going to be really tough to add a, a really, really expensive piece uh, for the offense. Uh, you know, unless, you know, you make a move, unless, you know, uh, you know, some of the players who are on the roster, uh, you know, who, who uh, you know, have, have uh, you know, need to rebound in, in, in terms of their performance uh, or are sitting there. And if you could make a move to swap them out right now to and, and that's, you know, to give you flexibility, I think that's something you consider. Uh, but so I think the Yankees would have to make a move of that ilk 
to be able to bring in someone else of 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 a higher ilk to make them better. If that makes any sense, I think that's where they need to go if they're going to do that. Now, and those, but those pieces are really hard to move. That the that the Yankees would have to consider moving, not because they they don't they can't rebound. They they could rebound and they could be really major stars again. But right now, these some of these players are struggling. So if, as long as they struggle, there's always going to be that question mark. So the Yankees have to figure out if you know if if they can move those pieces like a chess game, like anything else. The Yankees have to move that sort of this chess piece in order to make a you know do something else. So uh, it, it has to get freed up. So the Yankees will look to there to see if there's a place that they could do that. Uh, if there's not a market for some of their older veteran players, um, you make it a lot of money. If there's not a market for that, then you know they'll they'll stand pat with those players and and you know hope that they can you know rebound to to be the players that they they were formerly. And that they could be again. So hopefully that's you know that's also in the so that's a hard question to answer. But but you know but but again I don't know who else would be available to them that would be you know would be a sea change for them if you will. I, I don't know. You tell me. No, I think they're they're going to be banking on names like Rizzo and Lemayhu and and Stanton to bring that full rebound back in in twenty twenty four. I I think it's in many ways they're a little handcuffed in, in certain areas where you can only do so much to kind of ba- get yourself out of the corner. Let's get into an outfield uh, because we, you have, you have the Yankees acquiring Soto and yeah. they acquired Alex Verdugo in the Soto deal. They got Trent Grisham. Obviously you have Aaron judge. It sounds like the outfield alignment is going to be Verdugo and left judge in center Soto in right. Only my opinion I think that's completely backwards. I was wondering what your outfield alignment looks like. Um, I, I think that you also, I, well, first of all, let's say that the Stanton is not going to be in the outfield, uh, you know, no matter what sort of flexibility drills he's going through and things to, you know, hopefully uh, help him the rebound to, to become the player that he's capable of being. Um, so you won't see him in the field. So, you know, that that's off the table. And obviously some of the other options that were maybe – possible for the Yankees players who come back from last year to play the outfield in some way, shape or form. I don't know. I think that's really limited what they'll do there as well. So given the combination that we just put forth, you know, Grissom and, uh, you know, Verdugo and Judge and Soto, I mean, that's really going to be your, your, your principal scenario right now. I'd say, you know, Verdugo is your, is your left fielder. Um, We have to be, you know, Judge could play center. Also got the DH position now. You can play with that a little bit too. So, you know, I think they're going to play Soto and right. I think Judge and center right now and Verdugo and left is the way it looks. But I think that you're going to see a lot of mixing and matching. I don't know of all the pieces because I could see Soto is not an elite defender. He's he's a good, he's decent. It's less real estate in right field for him to play at Yankee Stadium. So I could see him out there in right field. I could see Judge in center field. I mean, I, I don't love Judge in center field because not that he can't do it was it so much real estate to cover and the chances of getting hurt are sort of exponential when you play center field so i i don't love that idea although you know i i could see i could see him playing it you know like for a lot of different reasons so right now it's for dugo it's a it's a judge and it's soto but grissom is a terrific defensive player he's a very good outfielder and I think that's where the Yankees got him too. I mean, you also have depth. I mean, you, with injuries being what they are all the time, and, and you know, so you know, you can. You, you, it's it's shown three three is not going to get it done. You need a couple. So you know, Grissom gives you great flexibility because of his terrific play in center. You know, and obviously Judge can go back to right because he's played right before. You know, Soto is is going to be a creature of wanting to play right field and probably will play a lot there. But you're going to do a lot of and then there's the H position, so you'll be a lot of mixing and matching going on here. There, there just is, and I think until they sort it out at the beginning, that's that's what you'll see. 
Let me, before I get into my point, let me just applaud the Yankees for improving the quality of their outfield depth overnight because last season you had multiple players who were non-outfielders playing in the outfield. You had players that a lot of people felt shouldn't even belong on the 40-man roster on the 40-man for the entire season playing in the outfield. And within a matter of hours, they significantly upgraded their outfield depth. So you got to take your hat off for them for for that here. In in my opinion, Trent Grisham is now the best outfielder on the Yankees. And I would give Grisham every opportunity to lose his job as the starting center fielder for the New York Yankees before I start bringing him off the bench as a late inning replacement. I think the argument is that Alex Vardugo, he doesn't embarrass himself in the outfield. He's lefty. He doesn't strike out as much. We know this. But to me, all of that is not worth the wear and tear that you're going to be putting on a 32-year-old Aaron Judge. So if you're asking me for my full alignment right now, I'm not exactly sure what that is. But I I, I don't want to see as much of Aaron Judge in center field as it seems like we're going to see of. I'm not saying he can't do it because he can. I don't think it's the wisest move. I don't think it's the most pragmatic move moving forward. Well, he's done it, you know, and he did it at a high level. And, you know, he's going to want to play. So the idea that we could, you could just say, well, he's going to just DH or, you know, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. So, you know, so, I mean, again, you know, how they start, where they finish or what combination they use is going to be two different things. But to your point, Grisham is, is a terrific center fielder. I mean, there's, there's no toys about it. He's a great outfielder. So, and he gives the Yankees tremendous depth out there. And you're right, he does help them because, you know, defense is something that gets kind of overlooked sometimes, and it shouldn't because the, the runs you save is, is equally as important as the runs you, you know, you, you score, you drive in, or you manufacture. So, you know, defense is obviously usually important. And the Yankees, if, I, if it's, you know, I could see Chris in there. I could also see them starting, but I don't see them starting. Like, I mean, you're right. To your point, you make a good point. I just don't – I mean, they have a lot of flexibility now. They had none before. Now they have flexibility. So Grisham gives you that uh, scenario. I mean, let me, let me ask you a question. If if Verdugo is not playing left, who's playing left? I'd probably have to put Grisham there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I mean, so, which, you know, to, I mean, that may be where they go. I mean, that that, that may be exactly where they – remember, the, the, the Verdugo deal happened for the Soto trade. So the Yankees were just looking at that point. They had no idea, or maybe they did when they pulled the trigger that they were the front runners. I'm sure they knew they were the front runners, but who knows where that was going to go? It certainly wasn't finalized. So Verdugo was an important piece to them, regardless of what was to follow. So at least it had to be if you look at the timeline. So I mean, I'm sure to their thinking, they got Verdugo first with the idea that would that would address their left field needs, certainly better than it had been addressed last year. So that was an upgrade from where they were. And getting him gives them depth and things of that nature. So I think that it was important for them to make it a move like that. Also, by the way, by the way, you have, we, we don't know if Verdugo is a piece to be moved. I mean, the winter is not over. <laughs> they, they could move Verdugo in a trade. It's possible. He could be a piece for something else. You don't know. Depends on what happens with Yamamoto. If there's a piece out there they need for starting pitching, maybe Verdugo is in a package to get a good a good starting pitcher. You know, I don't know. I have no idea what they're thinking there, but 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 it is possible. It's certainly possible they could do that. So, but you know, right now it's it's about collecting pieces, and then you worry about a little bit later where exactly they fit because you know you know overall these pieces will be an upgrade from where you are. That that's for sure. Yeah, I think uh, I think a lot of outfielders are going to be playing a lot of different spots in the outfield throughout the season. Everything's going to be a moving part. Is that strategically the best thing for 
for players? I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not one of them, but I could definitely see some iteration of Soto in right field in Yankee Stadium, Soto in left field where they're on the road and they go from there. I'll tell you what, we're we're like a year removed from Aaron Judge's monster free agent contract. It feels like it's at least five years because we're 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 all already taking the captain out of his natural position in right field. It's 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 ridiculous. It's ridiculous what has happened in a year. I mean, it just is. And I, I don't mean ridiculous in terms of, you know, the, the talent of the people involved. I mean, I'm talking about it's just it's just from a financial standpoint. Uh, I mean, the cost of players has really just gotten astronomical. And, you know, again, listen, that's not the player's fault. I mean, they, they, somebody provides the market. So the owners have to be in a position to, to put the marketplace where it is. It has to be comp- competition between them. Before this, you know, before there's anything else, so you know the market is being set by demand, I mean, the supply and demand, right? So like, like every other basic economic tenant is supply and demand. So you know the the supply is limited, and the demand is great for that sort of talent, and it just drives the price up for, you know, for for elite talent, and that's that's just the way it's been. It's been that way for a long time, and I just thought that I didn't didn't see Otani going for that money. I mean, I just didn't. I mean, I, I mean, there's a number. There's, there's a number between you know 42 and 70. You know, there are several numbers. There's a lot of numbers. And usually, you, if you, I could see going from 42 for the top salary, 42 and change, which I think Scherzer was getting. I mean, I could see it going to 45, or I could say 46. I could uh, maybe, maybe on the outside 50, but even that was a stretch for you know just it's just a stretch. And you know now you look at it and it's like those they went from 42 to 70. Now again. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm sorry. Uh, Otani is a special, special, special talent. Right. And he's a two way if he's healthy. I mean, he could rebound and be, not this year, but the following year. He could pitch, hopefully, for him and for the, for the uh, you know, for the Dodgers. I think that was part of the equation. If they baked in the money for that as well. But, you know, I knows? sure hope it is. <laughs> well, it better be for, <laughs> for that, that amount of money. Yeah. But even, but even whatever. I know he's a special player and he's a generational player. Not even he's a several generational player because who pitches and Babe Ruth was the only one who's ever done it, to my knowledge. It hit like that and pitched like the way Ruth did. So, I mean, it's, it just doesn't come along like that. And it makes him a very seminal talent. So, therefore, the circumstances are different. And the, the pay rate is that, I don't know what it is an hour. It's pretty strong an hour. I'd love to know what, the, what that pay rate is an hour. But it's whatever it is, it is. It's I'm at the just, new maximum wage. Yes, he's at the new maximum. But I mean, I, I I think you know just because he got that doesn't mean you know next year you know the, you know you know Soto for instance is going yeah. to come in, you know seventy two. No, I'm not going to. It's just not going to happen. Not going to happen. Well, like let's that. let's touch on that in a few moments. I have but one raise, more within the, the within the context of uh, Soto and Judge because yeah. they make this trade. It feels like it's going to be one of the more impactful Yankee deals of of this generation, right? Of these of this last 20 25 years. They don't trade for Soto and not fully intend to lock him up long term. But I'm I'm just wondering about obviously this season if he returns as a free agent after this season, if Juan Soto and Aaron Judge are able to perform to the back of their baseball card, how historical is this duo going to be compared to some of the famous duos? In Yankees history, it could be right there. It's possible it could be right there. When you're talking about famous duos, you're talking about you know Ruth and Garrick. I would think you're talking about Mantle. That's Maris, at the top, think, right? Mantle and Maris would, yeah. would be that, and that the, you know that set paragraph somewhere, um, obviously, and uh, and these two would be could be in the paragraph as well. Um, you know, Judge. We know what Judge could do. He's already done it. And you know what he did in, you know, in losing, you know, a quarter of a, a more than, you know, almost a third of the season last year. 
not quite, but almost. It was, you saw the numbers he put up. So, you know, he stays healthy. He's going to hit 50, 60 homers in that range for sure if he stays healthy. Can, this, can Soto hit 50 or 60 home runs to be so he can make that little that little that special pantheon that we just talked about? Is it possible? It's possible he could do it. I mean, I don't know that if you look at the back of his card, he's in the high 30s usually, the mid to high 30s. It's a lot, but in Yankee Stadium with that short porch and he, he can you know, really concentrate his left-handed power, although he's not really a left-handed pull power. He, he has a lot of power, but he hits the ball everywhere. But I'm just saying, if, he, if we're talking about that, he could certainly, you know, obviously his home run total is going to go up exponentially because of it. And, and that's one of the reasons the Yankees got him was to take advantage of that porch. That's why it's there. I mean, you, you need left-handed power to, to to avail itself so to to you so you can you know take advantage of it. So you could I know that's going to happen. Now this thirty-eight or thirty-five or thirty-seven, whatever, go to all of a sudden find himself in the fifties. Possible. It's very possible. For that to have the conversation, I think he's got to be in the 50s. You know, there's something magical. The difference between 49 and 50 is a lot of demarcation is actually something magical. There's a nice ring to it, different ring to it. So I think you have to be in the 50s for that to be considered because Judge would probably be there as well. So, yeah, or certainly, let's put it this way they could challenge those duos. And we'll, we'll leave it at that. I think that's a fair statement that if everything works to, to, they stay healthy, it goes to the max. Those, that duo could challenge those, those, those other two duos we just mentioned. And I want to add a little more context to this because for as great as this Yankees franchise has been and the amount of great players that they have, I'll tell you what, I had a tough time coming up with more than those two duos than you mentioned, because there, there are too many players that are synonymous with one another. Yeah, you have great players playing with one another, but there's, there are, isn't that tag team aspect like there is with Ruth Garrick, Maris, and Mantle. So when we talk about Judge and Soto having the potential to be that, it, it doesn't come along that often. No. Like you have like Joe, like Joe DiMaggio and Yogi Berry, yeah, they played together, but they're not synonymous with one another. You have no. Reggie and Thurman are synonymous for different reasons, other than like the actual great production that they put together, even though it was there. You know, you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah, but but it wasn't it wasn't you know although Reggie certainly had epic home run power and production. You know, Reggie never, to my knowledge, I have to could have this wrong. But I don't think Reggie ever hit in the fifties in terms of home runs. I think he hit in the forties many times. I don't know if he hit in the fifties, and I think you have to sort of be at least in the fifties to be considered in that conversation. That's just I mean, it's just we're just having a baseball discussion here. But that's what I would say. And then who 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 would who would he tag team with? Who did he tag team with that gives you something similar to that in terms of power? And and, and 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 offensive output. Who? I can't. Uh, there's nobody. The, the think, yeah, there's out. there's nobody. I guess Munson's the closest, but the really there really, really is a big drop off. No, we, you're talking. You're talking the M and M boys, and you're talking, yeah. Gilbert, and really, so that's home runs. You know, right. Not the batting average around base percentage. I mean, with OPSs and all that. We're not talking any of that. We're talking home runs. Mm -hmm. And it's, there, there's nobody there. There just isn't. It's interesting. It's again, this this franchise has been around 120 plus years. And with all the great players that they have, there is a very, Freeman, very Freeman small handful of Dodgers, dynamic right? duos. Freeman and Betts with the Dodgers are both great players. Right? Yeah. Great players, but I wouldn't even put them in there. They're, they're not going to hit in the 50s in terms of home runs. Well, now you could add Otani and Betts. Uh, and let, let's let's get to that here. Well, because, it's possible. It's yeah, possible. Yeah. Otani's deal, like we were talking about moments ago, uh, historic, unprecedented. It surpasses the richest soccer deals that we've seen in pro sports. 10 years, 700 million. Sounds like there's going to be a large chunk in deferrals. And I think that obviously uh, has an effect on all of this. It means that money's going to be paid to Otani down the road. 
So it all doesn't count against the Dodgers and the luxury tax from, from season to season. So we've seen contracts laid out like this in the past with the deferrals, but because it's Otani is, is what we know at the moment about this deal structurally uh, the beginning of the new way that, like, that the biggest free agents will do business. They can take notice at Otani and say, oh, if it's working for him, why don't I try and do this? Certainly. I mean, he's, he's set precedent by the, the contract. I mean, the, the, uh, you know, it sets precedent for sure, right? So, you know, uh, it, is that going to be part of the template of doing business going forward? Where you, you sign a player to, these, to really, really max, max, max dollars. And the team say, or the player says, look, I'll defer some of the money for, because I'm going to get the money. It's not like I'm not going to get it. I just get it at a different time. So, you know, my, either I get it or my heirs get it or they get it. Whoever gets it is going to get it down the road. It's, he's getting their money. It's just a matter of when he's going to get it. So it's not a real hardship. Uh, of all the dollars that are involved here, it's not a real hardship on the player. It certainly gives the team a little bit more flexibility. So could that be the the norm going forward? I don't know if it would be the norm, but it certainly will happen again because the, 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 there's already set the precedent for it and and um and it makes good business sense for uh, for both the player and and, and the management side of this to, to to avail themselves of that opportunity if it's available so i again i don't know will will not happen but something tells me that it's an interesting it's an interesting tenant to do business and i and i would you know it makes a whole lot of sense from a whole different lot of viewpoints how much did the earning ceiling so to speak go up for the one-way player because of this otani deal a lot. I mean, uh, you know, it, it means, uh, you know, a, a rising tide, rate, or, you know, a rising tide raises all boats or something like that, right? That's, that is the expression. Something sure. Like that. Uh, if that's the expression, well, whatever, it's true. So, you know, what will this do? Well, you know, I mean, I, like I said, there are numbers between 43 or 42 and change and 70. Now, again, special case. Otani's a special case. I'm not saying the next guy that comes along who's great is going to get 72 and 75. and I mean, that's not going to happen like that. Can't. Just can't sport can't can't cannot endure that, but but I will say that you know the next player who, you know, is going to look at that too and say, look, he's got seventy million, and I'm really good. I'm a really really good player. I mean, I'm, I'm forty doesn't do it for me anymore. Sorry, that's not the number. You, maybe it was forty five before now, and maybe it's forty eight or fifty. I, I don't know where it goes. It's it's about supply and demand. And if there are four or five owners or three or four owners that really want a player, they're going to bid it up because they want the player. So that competition will drive the price up too but the, whatever it's going is going to go to a higher number because of what just happened they won't, they won't exceed that obviously it can't and there are special circumstances i keep saying and they're true they're very special circumstances also tani brings you brings you global marketability i mean he he's he, to japan you see all the signs that are that were in anaheim this year and you'll see them now in dodger stadium all over i mean the games are all going probably to- for double the price well, it's a lot of money that those yeah. brings in. So, you know, there's a big revenue stream there, you know, that, that you know, obviously that, that Otami brings in and somebody else can't bring in or doesn't have the potential to bring in. So, you, you know, so that's going to, that matters too. So this is a very special case. We keep saying it, but it's true. It is, but still in all, it's still going to raise the price of, of players going forward. It has to, it's the way it works. Yeah. Keep that in mind a year from now when Juan Soto is during his free agency. Again, not not Otani, not a two-way player, no. but but the the price has gone up uh because of Shohei Otani. Right. Before a pitch gets thrown or a you know ball gets batted. Yeah. Just, Certainly yeah. before a pitch gets thrown. Yeah. He yeah. ain't throwing one in 2024. Yeah. Um does but but does Otani's addition mean that the Dodgers are out on Yamamoto? It goes it keeps going around. Everything's full circle here. Right. 
I would say no. I mean, I think they're they're a well healed franchise. They have lots of revenue streams. That you know they're obviously well backed, well financed, well structured. Um, they cleared a lot of payroll with the idea they were going to go after Otani. That that was we talked about that a year ago. There were a lot of players got released and you know moved non tendered and things, and they made moves to re- reduce some of the financial obligations that they had because they were looking at Otani. They were looking at adding Otani. So they did that. It came to fruition. So, you know, a lot of people say, how can they do this? How do they afford this? They they put themselves in a position to be able to do it. Now, can you do it again? Because Yamamoto is not going to come cheap. He's certainly not going to be cheap. And to your, to your point earlier, probably $300 million in that range is going to probably is what it's take to get it done. So will that happen? I don't know if it'll happen. That's pretty high. But you know what? There's three or four or five teams after you competing for you. You know, there's a very good chance that price gets driven to to that 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 number of 300. So we'll see where it goes, but that's very possible. And very few teams can afford that kind of money, especially given the luxury tax that's involved then too, which is which is a lot. So you start adding it up, it's a lot, a lot of dollars. Not everybody could could be in that that little that poker game. It's a very tight, small poker game. An executive game. I guess that's true. <laughs> um, you so you have th- you have three big fishes this offseason. Two free agents, one via trade. Otani, Soto, Yamamoto. Two of the three have found landing spots. There are about seven teams that are in line to add such a big fish. And yet, ironically, I think it's very, very feasible to see one of the Yankees and Dodgers who have already grabbed one of those big fish get another in Yamamoto. Like they could, one of those teams can end up with two of the biggest names of this offseason. We, yeah, we, 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 Briefly touched on the fact that there's a, a trade between the Yankees and the Dodgers that uh, was reported. Details were a little bit murky. You have Alden Gonzalez, who does a good, really good job for, for ESPN baseball reporter. He just tweeted out this trade, and it is that Yankee-Dodger deal. So Trey, Trey Sweeney, their shortstop prospect, is going to go to L.A. in exchange for lefty reliever Victor Gonzalez and uh, an, a middle infielder, Yorbit Vivas, who I'm I'm a little unfamiliar with, but I know Victor Gonzalez, a lefty reliever here. So the Yankees are adding to their bullpen. They get a lefty piece. They operated mainly with one lefty reliever in all of 2023 for the most part with Wandy Peralta. They wonder how much this affects the Yankees potentially bringing him back. But the Dodgers needed to clear a couple of 40-man spots for Otani. They also brought back reliever Joe Kelly. So the Yankees dip it into their prospect capital. They trade away Trey Sweeney former first round pick and they pick up an arm and a middle infielder. So you wonder where Vivas fits in, in terms of the, uh, the active roster, who knows bottom line, the, the, the biggest thing that jumps out to me so far, this Yankees offseason is that they are really improving the quality of their depth all around for their entire active roster. And I think that's so important. So kudos to them. Job well done there. And there's certainly uh, more to come. Certainly more hot stove to come. Hot stove was on uh, fire on ES Network last week. Yankees hot stove during the winter meetings. You have it this week, Monday and Thursday. Yankees hot stove. And there's plenty to talk about, obviously, with this being Yamamoto week. I'm, I'm titling weeks, John, by the players' last names now. So we had Soto Week last week, Yamamoto Week this week. Who knows what next week will will give us? But for now, how do you want to land the plane here during Yamamoto Week? Uh, you know, it's I, we never we know who we didn't talk about was Bellinger. Now I don't I don't see the Yankees. Soto satisfies that need for the Yankees, so the Yankees will not go there. But in terms of the last person standing of of, of now again, there's a, some players out there would have a lot of interest for sure and and deserve it. But Bellinger now becomes the center of attention because 
of what he would have commanded and what he will command now because a he's the sort of the only major offensive player of that ilk that piece that's out there he's the only one who could do that and he's there and you know he would have commanded six or seven some people think eight i don't know if we're going that high but seven or eight years at you know at, at extremely high somewhere in the 30s or high yeah around 30 i would think something like that uh, but you know so that you talk about a massive contract for him and uh that number has just done nothing but go up because of uh the situation with otani otani again because of what he got again i'm not comparing the two they're not comparable in any way but but because it's just the money, the money will, will raise the price for, for Bellinger. And the competition, though, all these teams doubling down because they feel like they need to do something to improve. So a lot of teams in that conversation as well. So we'll see where it goes. But again, so that's the that's the part of the – and, you know, Jordan Montgomery, where he would slot with the if Yankees take it, you know, depending on what happens with Yamamoto, there's a lot of things pending on Yamamoto. Once that's done, though, the market would have slotted, and then, then, then you'll see – Teams start to you know figure out the rest of this and start to sign more more signings will happen for sure because again teams like to have it settled by Christmas if they can in their neighborhood because they're trying to get a roster together that makes sense for them they're trying to sell tickets to the fan base you know it's great to have you're a Yankee fan you're excited about Soto and you get Yamamoto if it's possible the Yankees get him it's like how, how fast can I run out and buy tickets if I'm a Yankee fan I mean it's pretty fast I would think because wow wow and wow but. You know, again, Soto right now is very exciting, and it's a great thing, and it needed to happen for the Yankees, whether it's one year or multiple years. And the one year could lead to many years. It's just that it's not the way that the, this business, that part of it's going to shake out because of Scott Morris, and he's not going to do that. He's going to wait for him to go to market, and, and that will set the price for him. And, and, you know, for sure, at least for right now, the Yankees have him, and if everything goes to plan, I'm sure the Yankees didn't do this with the idea it's a one-year deal. They're going to try to make this, you know, a seven or eight or nine, ten-year deal if they can but we'll see again. We'll see where it goes. We can't. We can't put the. You can't put the cart before the horse. It's got to be. This has to be a, a, a sort of a done in a progression. So we'll see what happens. The Yankees needed to make the deal. They made the deal. They got the best player they could get to fits their needs. It's he's the right player for what they're trying to do. So that's that. Check that box. Next is Yamamoto. Yankees need to try and make that happen. If not Yamamoto, another starting pitcher that would really, really help them in the rotation, strengthen that rotation, which has one or two question marks in it. Getting a Yamamoto will solve a lot of that issue too. So we'll see where that goes. So that's that's my final sort of take on the Yankee scenario right now. Yep. Uh, Yamamoto's decision could be coming within the next week or so. After that, I think you're going to see plenty of activity pick up around the entire sport, not just with the Blue Bloods here at the top, like the Yankees and the Dodgers. So plenty to look forward to as we inch toward the holiday and see where Yamamoto goes, because right now he controls the, the market here. John, thanks so much. Uh, Yankees Hot Stove coming up Monday and Thursday this week, and we'll, we'll talk to you uh, right before Christmas again, right? We'll, we'll do another episode before yeah, Christmas? Absolutely. absolutely. Okay. We'll try to do as many as we can, as they warrant us. As news breaks, we'll try to get those done for you. So thank you for sticking with us. All right, keep an eye on Yamamoto, everybody. We're going to be doing that as well. For John J. Filippelli and our terrific producer, Dan Bassone, I'm Justin Shackle. We will catch you next time on the Curtain Call Podcast, a production of the Yes Network.